Greetings, I'm Laura Pucci-Valtorta. Welcome to episode 24 of my podcast, B is for Bisexual. This story is called Wild Boar, Barbara's Bottega. I have to be careful with my Italian and pronounce Bottega with two T's. In this story, we go to Liguria, Cavi di Lavagna, like my husband did when he was a child and like we do every summer as a family. Nota bene, these characters are all based on people I've actually seen and the people watching in Italy is terrific. Joining me in the reading are Marco, a computer scientist, and Dante, a, mu- a musician. Don't forget to watch my films, including Bermuda, You Feel Me, and Disability, on channels such as Amazon Prime, Filmocracy, and Tubi. Just search for Laura Valtorta, V-A-L-T-O-R-T-A. A shout out to listeners in Canada, California, South Carolina, Mexico, Alabama, Mississippi, Germany, and Texas. You can purchase a collection of my short stories on Amazon. It's called Tall Sarcastic Tales. And now, Wild Boar, Barbara's Bottega. It was June on the Italian Riviera, Cavi di Lavagna. Stefano's Farinata shop was thriving and he needed supplies. Stefano shoved Renata Jr.'s stinky, sweaty feet into the clear plastic sandals favored by his two-year-old daughter. They needed to shop at the Bottega next door, and those plastic shoes were the only shoes she would wear. The goal of the quest was Gorgonzola, the soft, sharp blue kind that oozed at the corners when you cut into it and added just the right amount of flavor to his farinata six-cheese pizza. Barbara's Bottega was a cheerful place run by a local mountain woman, very pleasant, who was bubbly-voiced and curly-haired. Unlike his sisters with their shaved head-top knots or his ex-girlfriend Claudia, the mail carrier who had turned lesbian after their breakup and started dating his own sister. Mountain women came in many different shapes. What a precious little girl, said Barbara, slicing the gorgonzola extra thick and wrapping it in plastic. Renata Jr. frowned at her, putting her finger in her mouth and glaring. Through Renata's sandals, Stefano saw his daughter's toes merge, her bushy brown hair stand up on the back of her head. He feared a wild boar tantrum moment, but instead she popped her fingers out of her mouth to say, Mama! This seemed to calm her. Her mother's working this weekend, he told Barbara, who beamed at him and nodded, her curls bouncing. He felt she understood what that meant, his daughter staying with him. Weekends in the summer were the busiest time for Stefano's Farinata, the Bottega, and any business along the Mediterranean Sea Highway. Renata Jr. headed for the boxes of blueberries and pointed like she wanted them immediately. They were fresh mountain berries grown nearby. Stefano put two kilos into his basket. One kilo to eat plain, one kilo for dessert farinata, berries and cream. 
a recipe he had just created on the spot as he watched Barbara, who was sweet as cream, bustling around the store. A woman as tall as Stefano, about 194 centimeters, walked in from the back. Sonia, get more blueberries. Barbara barked at her. This was not the friendly voice she used for customers. Sonia looked at the empty blueberry stand and darted out back. In a moment, she returned to the store with a bushel basket of blueberries. Ciao, arrivederci. Stefano called out as he left. Usually, he disliked talking to shopkeepers. Let him simply buy his supplies and get out. Ciao, Stefano. Barbara sang out. It was wonderful how a trip to this particular bottega could brighten his day. Once back at Stefano's Farinata, his daughter's mood improved. She had her own play section in the kitchen with a kitty stove and tiny pots and pans made for her by her fancy grandparents from Milan. Stefano washed a large bowl of the blueberries and set them in front of her stool in the kitty kitchen. Renata Jr. stuffed blueberries into her mouth. Renata the Elder, his wife, had stayed in Milan that weekend to work on an upcoming trial. She often stayed there with her parents, chic furniture designers, and it was lonely going for Stefano. Early days for a young lawyer meant lots of work, lots of brief writing. Stefano's place brought in tons of customers during the summer. He was very busy too. Winter would be easier, but this was only the beginning of June. Barbara's a nice lady, Stefano commented to his daughter. Renata Jr. stopped eating berries to stare at him. Mama, gone. Yeah, I don't like it either, said Stefano. At 11 a.m., his waiter, Ardit, came in. Ardit was a nice guy, but only 17. No way could a teenager understand the trials and tribulations of being a young father with a two-year-old child. Why is the rain here? Ardit wanted to know. The child usually stayed with her aunts and Claudia in the mountains. Uh, they went to France for a week, uh, the three of them. Why? said Ardit, who preferred the vacation in Spain. To look at the French people, said Stefano. The more accurate reason was a conference of Wiccans in Arles. They would come back to Italy with wild stories, blurry photos, and lots of herbs to mix in tea or set on fire. He wasn't looking forward to it. What Renata Jr. was learning a lot of this stuff from her aunts. Soon, they might shave off the baby's hair, leaving a long, thin ponytail on top. The baby would love it, but the teachers would complain. You should take that kid to church, said Ardit, adjusting his apron. He was a waiter who wanted to learn how to make farinata pizza from chechi flour. Stefano was surprised to hear Ardit say this about church since Ardit himself was Muslim. I don't like all that Catholic rubbish, said Stefano. Maybe, said Ardit. But it keeps people in line. Renata Jr. frowned at Ardit. Her bottom lip quivered like she might cry. You look hunting over, said Stefano. Been to the mosque lately? Ardit put his arms akimbo. Forget about me. My parents will fix me up with a nice Albanian girl, whether I drink or not. You've got a daughter who turns into a chingyal in front of the diners. Stefano knew that Ardit was right. The last time it happened, 
A couple of hungry nuns ordering pizza had tried to shove her toys aside. Renata Jr. scratched their ankles and caused them to run away. There was a church next door. The priest had complained. His daughter's future wasn't looking good. Sunday, on the way up the mountain, Stefano and Renata Jr. made an extra stop at Barbara's to pick up more blueberries. His parents could make them into cobbler or blueberry tarts for their own restaurant. Ciao, neighbors, said Barbara. We're about to close up. Barbara was counting the till. The tall woman, Sonia, was rearranging the beach balls and plastic sandals. Stefano lingered near the blueberry stand. Uh, excuse me, I wanted three baskets of mirtilli. He said. You've only got two out here. Sorry, Stefano. Gushed Barbara. We sold all but these two today. Stefano grabbed the two baskets and looked around for something else to bring his parents. He chose a couple of loaves of crusty bread. Who was messing up the spinning sunscreen display, hit her head on one of the revolving shelves and started to cry. Sonia handed her a lollipop, which stopped her crying immediately. Gracias, Sonny, said Barbara. You're the best. Stefano paid for the berries and bread. He considered that Barbara was extra smart and a good businesswoman to hire a woman that tall who could help with everything in the store. He drove Renata Jr., the bread, and the blueberries up the mountain to see his parents. A quiet night in the guest house would be welcome after the no- noisiness at Diana's apartment he had endured all week. The beachgoers from Milan and Genova were raucous this time of year, and it was worse than when they brought their dogs. As usual, his parents, Alberto and Elena, were effusive with Renata Jr., but pretty much ignored their only son. What a big girl, said Elena, grabbing her granddaughter and kissing her. You need a bath, a meal, and a quiet night in the forest. Pasta, said Renata Jr. That's right, not a special pasta. Stefano took their suitcase down the path and settled into their own bedroom at the guest house. His sisters, Chiara and Elida Jr., had taken over the other two bedrooms. Oftentimes, his ex-girlfriend, Claudia, stayed overnight with Elena Jr. Stefano often wondered whether this was the best atmosphere for his daughter, who stayed at the guest house most weeks while her parents were working. But the local coven of witches, his wife and his sisters, had all decided that Renata Jr. was thriving with her aunties, and the child was growing very fast and very tall. She might end up being 190 centimeters, like her aunt Elena Jr., or she could be short like her mother. That night, Stefano slept very soundly and dreamed about Barbara, a woman who looked sweet and compliant and was always smiling, unlike the other women in his life. Like, he missed his wife, Renata, who could always make things right, but was gone away too much. Barbara was the plush substitute in his dreams. On Monday morning, he woke up at 10 to hear his sisters and Claudia unlocking the front door. They were laughing and talking about Arl, how kind and intriguing the French witches were, and how much they had learned about magic. Oh, I feel more spiritual than ever, said Claudia, 
closing her eyes and raising her hands to the ceiling. The great goddess is protecting me. Renata Jr. came running out in her pajamas, and the older women exclaimed and embraced her. We brought you some sage to burn, said Kiara, holding out a packet of twigs laced together. Oh, don't give her fire, said Stefano. Nonsense, said Elena. She's plenty old enough to burn the sage. Wave it around. Renata Jr. clapped her hands. Stefano decided that he would grab some bread and water and take a walk in the woods. It was cool outside and the birds were still, still singing. Down on the beach, the sound of traffic drowned out the smaller birds very early so that all he could hear was the loud cawing of the crow that hung out in the old man's garden down below Deanna's apartment. Here in the mountains, where driving was so slow and snaky, he could still hear the smaller chirping birds at mid-morning. It wouldn't get hot until noon. Stefano sat on a rock near the place where the wild boars nor normally gathered. This time he was without a rifle. If his mother wanted to make wild boar sauce, she'd have to shoot the animals herself. He chewed on a heel of bread. After a few moments in silence, a family of wild boar, two big ones, two small ones, ventured near the trees and began snuffling up acorns. This was strange because they usually avoided humans, the smell of human blood. He must be one with the animals themselves. After eating the acorns, the family of Chingyali trotted back into the woods. Stefano headed back to the guest house, listening to the wind in the trees and smelling the sweet morning air. Renata was there, back from Milan, drinking an espresso at the dining room table. Renata Jr. was sitting in her lap, sucking her thumb. His wife looked blanched and tired. The trial is over, she said. We won and I got a huge bonus. Those apartment owners will not raise their rates again ever, illegally. Stefano sat down at the table. This bonus should go for a new office in Cavi once I quit this job and hang up a shingle. Stefano stopped nodding and stared at the floor. With Renata so close by, she would be bothering him all the time, invading his thoughts with her legal cases and civil liberties. You don't seem happy about this, Stefano. You've talked about this for a year and nothing happens. Renata frowned. I've found some reasonably priced office space in Cavi Vecchio, close to Rayer Ristorante, via Milite Ignoto. Oh, Ren, that's great! Stefano figured he needed to put on a smiley face, despite his sexual longings for Barbara. Via Milite Ignoto was a ten-minute drive from Stefano's Farinata, far enough away to protect his fantasies. The door banged open. His sisters and Claudia walked in. They, they ran to Renata Jr., who was wearing the same smelly jelly sandals, and handed her a mushroom, which Stefano thought might be poisonous. Renata Jr. hugged her aunts and Claudia. How was your weekend with your dad? Renata asked her daughter. Barbara, said Renata Jr., frowning at Stefano. We went to Barbara's store. The two-year-old sounded repro reproachful. The Bottega? Um, 
They all turned to stare at Stefano. Stefano shrugged, which made things worse. Yes, I went there to buy groceries. Ha 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 ha! Elena Jr. laughed loudly. You mean that dyke, Barbara Pirone, that store she runs? I hear she's running it with her partner, Sonia Stragetta. Stefano felt his mouth forming into a giant O. All of the women laughed, including his wife and his small daughter. Nothing he could do or dream of was beyond these women's ridicule. The whole world was laughing at him. Now that you're all here, said Renata, I have some news. I'm expecting a baby in about five months. The room exploded into jumping. With that announcement, Stefano could do nothing but go over and hug his wife. He discovered that maybe he did want another baby as soon as possible, and he hoped it would be a boy. But what did that mean? He saw into the future, just a few years, with Renata Jr., a short woman, loving nature, the forest, and solitude as much as he did. She was still turning into a wild boar because of her emotions. And he saw a tall boy named Alberto, wearing big hair and a fancy suit, who spent his free time on fashion, witchcraft, and commuting with a large coven in Milan. Who would the children be dating? He could not see that story, but he felt that he and Renata were still happy, most of the time anyway, wading through the clever barbers of the world, working and dividing their time between the mountains and the forest. And that's the end of our story for today. And I want to say that next month in March, I'll be reviewing the book Redemption by my good friend Carolyn Hartley. I'm busy reading it now, and I'll have a short review before our story next month. So, dear listener, have a great day. Thank you and goodbye. Arrivederci. Bye.